0: Well, hello, 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 and
1: welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media. And hey, this episode, uh, this podcast is also part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So welcome if that is how you found us. Uh, I am your host for the show. I'm also the lead correspondent at AHLReport.com. My name is Amy Johnson, and I am so pleased each and every week to be joined in the studio by my wonderful co-host. He happens to be our president, founder, and editor-in-chief at all of our Rocket Sports media platforms. Uh, and he is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. Did you have a good Victoria Day weekend? It's back to work day. It's funny,
2: everybody talking on Twitter, back to work day in Canada. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were off, actually. Yes, Yeah, I, well, I, that's <laughs> a little foul game uh, last night. Yeah. But uh, yes, it was Victoria Day victoria day weekend in canada the traditional start to summer that's very
1: good and um and you
2: get yours yeah we get ours next weekend uh-huh. so
1: um i'm gonna try to work less than you did on yours <laughs> that's a we'll good see. goal to have <laughs> <We'll Yeah. see. laughs> depending on how the playoff you schedule know, works, depending out. on how the schedule works out i'm uh you know between uh covering hockey and also being uh self-employed um it's I usually work seven days a week so I gotta Mm. gotta work on that I think that's gonna be like you know how the beginning of the actual calendar year is right smack in the middle of hockey season so it's hard to start resolutions like when everyone else does I think my eventual off-season resolution is July
2: 1st resolution yeah
1: like my fiscal year resolution is gonna be um try not to work seven days a week Mm. every week that'd be a novelty we'll see We'll see how it works out. Um, We have a pretty fun show for you today because guess what? The Laval Rocket have advanced to the North Division final against the Rochester Americans, and they're already two games into that, and they are dominating. Uh, in fact, they've got uh, Rochester up against a wall. So we are going to talk about uh, – we're going to get you caught up uh, on on how they wrapped up their their series with Syracuse. Uh, we're going to hear plenty of audio today from head coach J.F. Ull, both from um, a, a semi-exclusive interview, uh, our, our – good friend and and colleague rocket
2: sports exclusive
1: it kind of was yeah interview that
2: Uh, was offered
1: that's right patrick williams and i managed to uh have our very own zoom call with jf last thursday so we have some audio from that to bring to you as well as uh just some post game audio from from this past week from jf all from toby pacapisson from louis belpedio uh lots of great clips to play for you some things to analyze about what was said in those clips uh we're going to As I said, you know, get you really caught up on how they wrapped up that series against Syracuse and how they have already advanced in these first two games in the North Division final. Uh, Also going to talk a bit about guys like Matthias Norlander, Riley Kidney and Caden Primo. Those all sound like names that uh, people want to hear about. So we've got some things to tell you about those guys. Uh, Then in our second segment, we're just going to take a brief look and get you caught up on what the other three division final series in the league are, uh, are doing and how those are shaping up. Uh, A big Board of Governors announcement uh, as Calgary's affiliate is on the move. So we want to bring that information to you and then get you all set and ready to go on the best ways to follow our Laval Rocket coverage as they try to advance to the conference final, believe it or not, as well as our other um, products that you might have missed this last week with, you know, holiday weekends and exciting playoff things and whatnot. So. It's going to be a fun show today
2: i noticed that there's a lot of people i guess with some time on their hands for the long weekend that were catching up on podcasts so uh mm-hmm. some good numbers for our canadians connection um podcast on the weekend and and uh if you're not a regular canadians connection subscriber Perhaps uh, a resolution. Talking about resolutions, it's time to start doing that.
1: <laughs> I believe that would be a great idea. CanadiansConnection.fm. Just click subscribe. Speaking of, while we're doing this now, Habs Hockey Report, uh, the weekly uh, Habs and Laval Rocket uh, YouTube show that I that I host on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash allhabs. Um, the subscription number just keeps going up. If you want a place on YouTube to go to watch uh, all the latest with the Habs, Laval, you'll get some exclusive interviews with players and coaches and so on and so forth, uh, subscribe over there as well because it's uh, it's been a very popular place, particularly since the Canadian season has ended for fans to come and interact and comment and hear their things read on the air, and, and it's just a lot of fun, so make sure you subscribe there as well. Alright, so... Before we get to what they're doing right now in the North division final, we want to give you a look back at how they wrapped up the North division semifinal series, uh, against the Syracuse crunch. Remember they split the first two games on the road in Syracuse. Then they came back to plus bell The first game dropped the second one. So they split the home back to back as well. And that forced the game five, uh, On the road in Syracuse. And Rick, let me tell you, sweating. Just sweating. They were down 2-0. And it was looking dire. (laughs) It was looking dire. Cedric Paquette ties it up with 38 seconds left in regulation. It goes to overtime. Gabriel Bork pots the overtime winner. Talk about a dramatic way to win your first playoff series in franchise history.
2: It was very dramatic. And game in Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse um, got a a goal in the first period, a shorthanded goal, which was um, somewhat deflating for for Laval. Uh, And then, as you said, um, not quite halfway through the second period, they went up 2-0. Laval got a power play goal before the the period uh, ended, which I think was kind of important, mm-hmm. um, to bring, bring them, um, between one, but, um, Syracuse was, was just shutting down, uh, Laval at, at every point on the ice and, and Laval was having a hard time generating chances. And, uh, yeah, as you said, the, the, the perseverance paid off, uh, tying the game late and then, uh, and then winning, winning it all, uh, in, um, in overtime.
1: When asked about it, um, back when uh, last week when when Patrick and I uh, were were able to speak with JF um, you know he talked about the ways in which you know it's not easy to make that kind of a comeback in a best of five series it's not easy to do that when it's forced to a game five when your season's on the line and you find yourself down two goals with not a lot of time left Um, and so when asked about where the, the, the no quit comes from the person. Can, can, can I add um,
2: a bit of extra drama? Yeah. Do we remember uh, known for taking bad penalty, known for scoring goals, but, but perhaps more so known for taking bad penalties is Danic Martel, <laughs> And he took a penalty. Yeah. In overtime.
1: In overtime. In overtime. A
2: hooking penalty. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, um, again, if we're talking about drama, pressure, all of that, uh, that that ramped up the situation a little bit more.
1: Absolutely, it did. Uh, and so when we had a chance to talk to J.F. Wool about what it was within his team that was able to find the way to come back, tie it up, win it in overtime and take the series. Here's what he had to say.
3: Yeah, you learn a lot from adversity. I think, uh, you know, if, if we're put back in those situations, we you know how to deal with it better if you go through them and you know that's why you have to retain the lessons learned from this the regular season as well either it's coming back from 5-0 against toronto or losing with two minutes left to uh to belleville in our building leading three nothing those are all great lessons to learn and you have to learn from those
2: we we talked about that during the season those really deflating losses and and uh when when the when. Uh, Laval was up uh, quite handily and and han- and and handling their opponents um, so now they can flip the tables and um, and deal with uh, their own adversity being down coming back late uh, having to kill off a penalty in overtime and then winning and and um, it, it's all connected I know that that everybody says well it's a clean slate uh, in the in the postseason and um, Yes there, and no. <laughs> there is carryover, and and um, and uh, Jeff will spoke about it right there.
1: Absolutely, it was a it was a great response. It was actually a, a response to one of Patrick's questions. Um, so stick tap to him for asking a question that got such a great answer. Um, but the interesting thing is is that it's obviously what Jeff just said there is something that he obviously conveys to his his guys in the locker room as well because. Completely unrelated, when our Chris G had a chance to speak with uh, Toby Paquette Bisson uh, last night after their win against Rochester, um, Chris asked him about something to the effect of, you know, what did you guys learn from your last series that you can take into this this game three that you've got coming up? And you'll hear in Bisson's answer a, a very big echo of the same kinds of sentiments that JFL was getting across.
4: To be honest, like right now, we're on a big high, winning two at home. Um, for us, losing uh, against Syracuse, it was kind of a slap in the face, like uh, saying that a lot of people say it's, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, for us, that's our mentality. Uh, but to be honest, uh, going in five games against Syracuse uh, made us learn a lot, especially all the losses we got. And I think that's why we won both at home today because last time we won the first one at home, the second one we got crushed by the crunch. So um, to be honest, it's, it's just we're learning from our first round and we're bringing it to our second round.
2: Crushed by the crunch, crushed huh. by the crunch. That's, right. <laughs> That's a I, line. Like, I liked how he said that. <laughs> uh, but facing adversity. And, and as you said, um, th- the, the head coach doesn't uh, typically come out uh, um, in front of the media and say anything that his players haven't already heard. And we know that because the, the head coach's messages are echoed. Uh, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to happen in the same press conference. And and in this case, it didn't. Uh, but talking about uh, what lessons did you learn against Syracuse and how can you apply them against uh, Rochester? And, and um, obviously, Laval didn't want to have that same after a, a dominating performance in game one against Rochester, they didn't want to have the same kind of letdown that they had against uh, Syracuse.
1: They did not. And so, with that win uh, on the road in Syracuse, they clinched that victory, winning the North Division semifinal. It meant that they advanced now to the North Division final. Uh, and they had to wait a little bit to find out who their opponent was going to be because the Rochester Utica series also went to a deciding game five on Thursday night where uh, the Rochester Americans beat Utica to take the series on the road as well. It was kind of interesting that both of these teams who are now facing each other in the, in the division final, uh, both were both did not have home ice advantage in the previous round, and both of them took it to game five and won it on the road. Um, which kind of gives you an idea of the tenacity of both of these teams. However, so far, this series is shaping up much differently. Home ice advantage definitely playing a part. Uh, now, uh, two games into the series, Laval, uh because they were seeded higher at the end of the regular season, they have home ice advantage over Rochester. And uh, despite it being back-to-back games Sunday night and Monday night, uh, Laval has certainly used their sellout, if not close to sellout crowd both nights to really just elevate their play and uh, came out with two really big victories back to back, winning six to one on Sunday with uh, Danik Martel scoring, I guess, kind of making up for that bad penalty in overtime with four goals on, uh, on Sunday night. And then they beat them again, uh, three to one on Monday night.
2: As you said, big crowds, uh, over 10,000 in uh, Bell on Sunday night, uh, 9,400 on Monday night. Um, And despite what the the score says, um, for me, uh, the Laval win in Game 2 on Monday night was far more impressive. Yes. Um, The the 6-1 was kind of flattered Laval. um, And it was a situation where um, they were... They were firing from every point on the ice, and uh, somehow the puck was finding its way in. Mm-hmm. Um, not a great night for uh, Arundel. Um, and in, in game two, it was uh, we remember that Rochester um, coming into this series had three of the top four scorers in the AHL in the playoffs. That's right. Uh, they were an offensive machine coming into this series, and that's how they, got, they dispatched uh, Utica. Um, and I think that in, that, in, the, in the second game, uh, watching uh, Laval shut down and just stifle that, that potent offense, mm-hmm. shut them down at, at all points, challenge them, attack them, pressure them. Uh, all over the ice um, Laval was very effective as a team as a team defensively uh, disrupting uh, Rochester.
1: Yeah, R2 Rotsalainen Roots, uh not really doing much yet in this series. JJ Paterka not doing anything yet in this series. Jack Quinn not doing anything yet in this series. Uh, Peyton Krebs Peyton Krebs not doing yet anything in this series. Um it's it's been a it's been the one thing that you've noticed consistently over these two games with Rochester, you see that the talent is there. You see the skill is there for sure. Um, But they're not getting anything through. They're not getting good quality scoring chances and they're definitely not penetrating to the net. Um, And they're not frankly shooting enough. I don't think. Um,
2: No. Well, that's just it. You see these, these uh, plays developing uh, that look threatening and then they fizzle in almost every case, uh, either, as you said, uh, not getting through to the net uh, the, the players themselves, not getting to the net uh, to jump on um, rebounds which have been there, but but there's been very, very few uh, second chance opportunities.
1: And I, if we're being completely objective and fair, uh, the officials helped Laval a little bit in game two. There were definitely plenty of calls that could have been made. Uh, for penalties against Laval that that went without a whistle, um, not- well,
2: Fool has noticed something. He has. He must have noticed something because we saw the adjustments that they've made, and the the uh, Laval defensemen are holding up the uh, literally the, the Amherst forwards <laughs> and and you know interference situation. But they're they're going in 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 the type of officiating, and it's consistently it's happening. It, mm-hmm. it seems to be. Um, but uh, they aren't calling those interference penalties, so uh, the Amherst forwards are are having a tough time when they get into the Laval zone.
1: That is uh, that is definitely true. So it's I mean, there's a chance now that the series goes to Rochester. Rochester, and it's now three elimination ga- potentially three elimination games for Rochester in a row. Uh, if they win the next one. Then they make it to game four and they still are facing elimination and they have to win that one to push a game five. Um, So their backs are against the wall, but they, they do have game three and game four, if necessary at home in Rochester for the first time in the series. Um, If they do figure out a way to get around uh, that really aggressive forecheck uh f- and 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 the defense that is just pasted to them uh from Laval if they figure something out if if they figure uh, an answer out for that or and or as Seth Appert said it's possible Lukanen comes back in this series at some point um whether that's whether he's ready for game 3 or not we won't know yet um then then yeah then then there could be some some real tight hockey being played Uh, until then rock the rocket are doing a really great shutdown job. They're playing with a lot of speed. Uh, Rochester's having a little bit of trouble, I think handling the pace. Um, There were times Rick that they looked Rochester looked tired a a couple of times, uh, you know, shifts at the ends of shifts and so forth. Um, So it will be, uh, it'll be fun to watch. And, and Caden Primo, we're going to talk about Caden Primo here in a little bit. Uh, He's been, um, he's been kind of steady Eddie back there in the net. He's been, he's been doing a decent job.
2: It's uh, and you said that, that they looked a bit tired. I think it's just that, that Lavelle uh, the pressure um, it's it's um, it and, and being physical. It's, it's taking a little out of the, the Rochester forwards mm-hmm. as well as it it's become very frustrating. Um, Rochester is used to being able to generate offense and they've been frustrated, uh, in the first two games of this series. And, and we'll just mention at reinforce again, we talked about this before the playoffs began, um, five game series, uh, for these, these initial rounds. Uh, it's, it's a different game. It's a different way to, uh, approach the playoffs. You have no time to, um, to, to, you know, ease into a series. You have to be on it from the beginning and, uh, you know, as you said, it, we're only two games into the series, and already um, the Amhersts are facing um, uh, elimination. Uh, so the, the they, you have to have a whole different mindset with five game playoff series.
1: That's right. Uh, now, not all of the news is happy coming out of the Laval camp. There is a there is a small little blip of unfortunate news, and that is an injury to Matthias Norlander at the very end of Game One in this series. Uh, in the final minute of that game, you mentioned that Rochester's frustrations are really starting to make themselves evident. Uh, ben Holmstrom with uh, penalized with a, a minor penalty and then a 10-minute misconduct for a check to the head uh, on Matthias Norlander in the final minute of that game uh, left Norlander out of the lineup in Game 2. Uh, now, there's not an official report as to whether or not he officially has a concussion or anything of that nature. Uh, so we don't know yet when he'll be able or available to return to play. There is no information on on Norlander's timeline or a specific injury, but um, we're with, as,
2: we're assuming concussion symptoms because correct. it was a blindside hit to the the head. Norlander didn't see it coming, and you saw when he uh, went to the bench and his reaction and sitting on the bench for the final minute or two in the in the game. Um, he looked stunned. And um, and, and yeah, with concussions and concussion symptoms being as unpredictable as they are, um, it's wise that they're keeping him out of the lineup.
1: Absolutely. And it's an unfortunate incident. Um, and we just hope that he is healthy again soon. Particularly, he's been getting some great experience. He's been slotted in ever since Game 2 of the previous series. Uh, in fact, with him not in the lineup for Game 2 uh, this week in in the this series against Rochester. It was the first time since game two in the Syracuse series that JF Wool didn't go eleven seven with his formation. Norlander's been the seventh defenseman uh for the all the, the the four last games of the Syracuse series and the first game in this series. <clears throat> um so hopefully, uh, Matthias Norlander, and you're going to hear uh, in a moment, uh, JF has some positive comments about how Norlander is doing in, in his return to, to the North American game.
2: And it's that adjustment—the uh, adjustment to the pace, adjustment to the rink, adjustment to uh, the the style of play in in the AHL—and then the adjustment to being that seventh defenseman who gets called on occasionally um, mm-hmm. to go in and 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 being out of a rhythm um in in a game it's it's a really difficult adjustment for norlander and and he had just started to uh to adapt and and play quite well
1: absolutely uh, another guy um so you're going to hear from all about that in just a moment first i just want to mention another name that has kind of got people buzzing is the fact that riley kidney 19 year old riley kidney signed an amateur tryout in ato with the laval rocket he joined uh the team on sunday uh, I believe today was the first day that he had a practice with the team. Um, and so, um, you know, of course, there's a lot of buzz. I, I think people thought that I-, I think people were even hoping that he would get slotted in right away um, when he joined the team on on Sunday or Monday. But. Um, it's one of those things, you know, as you were just talking about, Rick, this is a best of five series. There is not a lot of leeway for. Um, I don't want to say experiments or trial periods, but a coach has to be very deliberate with every one of his decisions. And so uh, J.F. was asked about, um, you know, he's been asked a a few different times and in a few different ways about development versus winning in the playoffs. Um, And in response to that, he had this comment to make, not only about Riley Kidney and how soon or if he will even make uh, uh, the lineup at all, but also how Norlander has been progressing as well.
3: But you have to be also uh, realistic, uh, you know, like in kidneys, uh, he's a really good player. He's very talented. He's only 19 years old, small stature player. Is he ready to jump in right into these uh, rough playoffs? Not too sure. We'll see in practice and stuff like that. You know, he's got plenty of time ahead of him to uh, to uh, to develop. Uh, Matias played a good game tonight. I think he played quite. He played quite a bit too, and I, I like his game. He's uh, he's coming along real well, um, and uh, you know he's he's got a bright future ahead of him. So I, I think you have to balance both of uh, you know winning and and uh, and developing at the same time.
2: It it, it is. It's it's a balance, and um, there's all kinds of of uh, considerations. Um, I, I think. He he mentions that Riley Kidney's small stature. Um, he's five eleven. He he's not, uh, but but he's slight. He's he's listed at about one hundred um, and seventy pounds, and you know may not be used to the kind of physical play uh, that is in the AHL. He'd had had a different kind of a different experience uh, with the Teton in in the queue this year. Um, you know the the the. The the pushback to that would be, well, uh, you've got some players in your lineup that um, you know uh, spent a, a good portion of their their uh, season in the ECHL, and yet you've been willing to bring those guys in, the abandonados and and others. Um, you know, the skill level of a Riley Kidney is way beyond uh, those ECHL players that are currently in the lineup. He's smart. He's um, and so, uh, you know, how do you balance the fact that um, he's he's uh, an excellent playmaker, uh, really smart, um, and and can can contribute in that way uh, versus you know one of those players that is filling
1: a uh, a hole for you f- uh, from the ECHL? So I guess the answer is we will just have to wait to see uh, what JF feels from watching Kidney in practice. Uh, will he make it into an elimination game uh, tomorrow night? We will uh, We'll have to see. It would be exciting for sure. And I think fans would love, fans and, and analysts and so forth, would love to see, just get an, an early glimpse of what this kid is going to be able to do when he eventually is able to make the jump to pro hockey. Did we
2: mention a 100-point player? 100 points 100 in, in points. the queue uh,
1: this past season? Pretty exciting pretty exciting. So we will have to wait to see if we're going to get to see Riley Kidney suit up in the Calder Cup playoffs. So the name, of course, that is uh, being touted the most and being kind of chanted the most, literally chanted the most <laughs> inside Place Bell um, is that of Caden Primo. Um, it's, you know, Caden Primo has been um, kind of anointed as Carey Price's replacement for years now. Uh, I think a lot of people have kind of tempered their expectations and and have kind of come back down to earth a bit about the the real, the realistic prospects of Caden Primo eventually being the Canadians starting goaltender at some point not sure he, as we've seen through the ups and downs of his NHL and AHL career over the last couple of seasons uh, that's not set in stone yet and and Caden Primo still has is the first person to tell you that he still has a lot of work to do on his game however in this series, uh, he he came down um, and was uh, inserted in the second game of the Syracuse series. And he has gotten every start since then. Um, but last night, of course, uh, he was first star um, and was made 31 saves. He was two minutes and 44 seconds away from a shutout before the Amherst busted that to pieces, uh, managing to get on the board at the, at the very last minute there, uh, towards the end of the game. Um, but he was, he was certainly being heralded, uh, from the rafters of the, of Plas Bell. Uh, the fans adore watching him. Uh, his teammates have very high praise and you'll see a lot. If you look on social media, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we we see this happen a lot, Rick. Where um, people get a glimpse of something that that a that a young prospect does well, and so in this case, we're talking about Caden Primo. Um, but it's it's this has happened with other young prospects before too, who are still very much in the development stage of their career, um, where they you know they the spotlight's on them, and they do something spectacular, and people go zero to sixty with uh, their expectations of him or or, you know that kind of thing and so you're seeing that a lot Uh, in fact we want to play uh, a a quote that was circulating social media quite a bit last night was a portion of the next audio clip that you're going to hear um, which you know maybe hearing the whole thing from louis belpedio last night um might give it a little little more context, but after the game, uh, many of his teammates were complimentary to Caden Primo's performance throughout the playoffs, and in particular, this is what Louis Belpedio had to say.
4: You know, we're extremely confident as a group playing in front of him. Um, you know, I think we saw that tonight. He made countless huge saves that could have been goals and changed the momentum of the game completely. Um, you know, but just throughout the year, no matter what's been thrown at him, you know, he's been able to handle it, and you know, his success is showing off. And you know, that's as good of a game as I've seen a goalie play maybe on any team I've ever been on. Um, so just got to tip your hat to him. We, you know, we love him. We love Poo. They, they both battle every single day in practice and in the gym. And, you know, it's nice to see a payoff for both of them.
2: So, um, yeah. Uh, two dominating uh, victories uh, by the Laval Rockets uh, cheered on by um, more or less 10,000 people in each game. Uh, you come off the the ice, you're pumped up, and you're just um, you become a fan. You're, well, yeah. you're, you're, yourself. Um, you can't help it. Yeah, and you know it. it uh, he mentioned uh, uh, Prime or Poo uh, Poo, being uh, Kevin Poulin, and uh, if Kevin Poulin was in the net, I'm sure that um, that he would have. Uh, uh, Louis Belpidio would have had the same comments uh, about his goaltender. He was just really uh, into the moment, uh, really charged up, um, and and as were were the fans. Uh, this is the first playoff in Laval um, in the AHL, and the fans are getting used to the game. Um, as Anthony Marcott said in his uh, intermission interview with with the Rochester media uh, the Rod, uh, Rochester broadcaster. And, and, um, it's, it's new and, and you want a hero, you want someone you can cheer for. Um, Caden Primo's got kind of the, uh, the Nathan Beaulieu thing going for him <laughs> where his name sounds, uh, um, like he was, you know, a, a homegrown player. Um, he's not, um, and, um, and it's, it's, it's just fans, and and many of them, particularly the ones on social media. This is a snapshot. They haven't they haven't been uh, game to game to game to game uh, in the AHL. They they don't know about uh, Caden Primo's struggles through uh, this season, tr- struggles um, in, in any other season. So when Louis says, you know, um, he's he's been a champion throughout the season, well, he's not. He's struggled, and and that's the reason. Why Kevin Poulin um, has where where there was almost an equal split in the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's 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 been a really disappointing season for Caden Primo. Let's be honest, he was dreadful, dreadful, dreadful in his uh, NHL starts. He looked like it was uh, too big of a task for him, and he was disappointing in his AHL starts. He was supposed to have the lion's share of the work. Um, in this season he didn't uh, Kevin Poulin had an equal number of, of games um, so much so that Ke- it was uh, when J.F. Wool had to make his decision uh, for the starter for the playoffs it was Kevin Poulin um, now Caden Primos came come in uh, he didn't look very good in, in game one he looked really shaky his team bailed him out and his confidence has built from there um and he now he had we know that Caden brimo is a is an attitude goaltender um uh it's it's been for good or bad throughout his career he's got some swagger he's really cocky now we saw how he was clearing pucks uh from his crease um and and he's riding the moment he's emotional the fans are are super emotional um but uh you know i i don't know who is saying that he's He's the replacement uh, anymore for the Montreal Canadiens. I think Stefan Wade, who knows him extremely well, said it. Uh, no, the ship has sailed. On um, he, he's young, so who knows what's going to happen? But the ship has sailed on Primo as a starting goaltender in the NHL. Could he still have a good career as a backup? We don't know yet. He's he's not ever dominated at the AHL level, uh, but maybe this is this will kickstart. Next year for him so he can have a, a season to prove himself in the age, which he has not had uh, up to this point.
1: And I think really that's the key. And that's where you see the the development portion of the experience of the playoffs and winning in the pe- playoffs potentially really play, play, excuse me, paying off. For a prospect, and in this case, Caden Primo, and and none of that, you know, Louis Belpedio's excitement, and and how he feels about his teammate and goaltenders, that takes nothing away from from you know, kind of coming down to earth a little bit and saying, okay, yes, Caden Primo's been been steady, um, but let's I, people really fixated on the just the part of his quote where he said, it's probably the best goaltender's performance I've ever seen on any team that I and people cut it off there and didn't in, even include the on any team that I've played on. So people were taking that little clip way out of context. It's a whole kind of reason we're breaking this down a little bit.
2: The fu- the funny thing is, the, the folks who are promoting that have no idea who Louis Bell P- PDO is.
1: Well, the, it's funny, you mentioned, you know, some fans don't uh, some fans may not, you know, of course, be aware of of his of his entire AHL season. There was actually a reporter that was asking questions in the press room last night to Laval, who said to I think Louis Belpedio, uh, "You'll forgive me because I haven't seen a whole lot of the regular season games," and then went on to ask his <laughs> question. So I was yeah. like, "Well, yeah, see, that's that's unfortunately what happens in the playoffs: is you get you get mainstream guys who are used to covering the Habs, um, and and so." no fault of their own on in, in, in normal time, they have their beat assignment as the NHL club. And then when the NHL club isn't playing anymore and the AHL club is, they fill in, but they're not completely, they don't, they don't have the big picture because they just don't have the information. Um, I think it's fun that Louis Balpedio thinks uh, thinks that highly of, of his goaltender. It's more that we just want to make sure that everyone keeps a, a realistic expectation Um it's it's great to be and it's it's fun to be excited about Caden Primo. I'm happy for him that he's actually stringing together a, a, a bunch of wins and that you know he's he's getting some confidence. I think that's I think that's tremendous. We just want to it's when we see people take certain you know it's almost quotes are great for for clickbait or for likes or retweets, um, but understanding context and. Getting a complete picture from a quote or understanding nuance and reading between the lines to interpret interviews, all of that is an actual skill set. And we try to do that here at the Press Own and at Rocket Sports quite often because the easy approach is to just take the very popular little viral quote and stick it out there and watch your likes go up like crazy. It's a lot harder Um, And and more challenging to say, okay, yes, he said that, but here's what was kind of set around it. And so that's the purpose of this exercise today. In fact, I'd like to further illustrate this exercise, and I'm picking on poor Louis Belpedio, and I'm not not actually picking on him because he was obviously, the adrenaline was pumping for Louis Belpedio last night. And I'm thrilled for these guys, uh, that they are feeling that much on cloud nine. I can't imagine what it's like in that dressing room. I, I think it's it's just an exhilarating time for them. Um, and so just like sometimes when it's a string of losses and guys come into the press room right after a game and they say stuff that's pretty grouchy or cranky and probably not accurate, entirely accurate, the other end of the spectrum works as well. And he was also asked about playing in front of the Laval crowd But what I think a lot of people might not have heard was that the, putting it into context, Louis Belpedio's hockey history has been that he's played four NHL games for the Minnesota Wild and 176 AHL games for the Iowa Wild before coming to Laval. And prior to that, he spent four years in the NCAA playing for the University of Miami, uh, Miami University of Ohio. So someone asked him last night, How does it feel to play in front of this Laval crowd as opposed to Iowa? And again, it's an instance where you'll hear in his answer, people will probably focus on some pretty exclamatory things that he says in his answer. But again, you have to keep it in mind that his analogy is answering a question about in comparison to playing in iowa which is much different than the montreal market um but hats off to the laval crowd for inspiring this answer from louis belpedio
0: how big of a contrast is it to play from a crowd like that compared to iowa um this is the
4: best crowd i've played in um obviously in the american league um you know i've played in the nhl a little bit as well but you know in terms of like energy and stuff I'd, i'd take this rink over that any day um in terms of fanning in crowd stuff, um, it's definitely different. I mean, nobody likes hockey like people in Quebec do. Um, you know, I've learned that this year. So it's it's a it's an honor to be able to play in front of them. It's you know something that I don't take for granted.
2: Good question from our good friend Guillaume Lafrancois from uh, La Presse, and and again, uh, lots of praise from Louis Belpedo. Listen, it, this was the best goaltender I've ever seen. This was the best crowd I've ever seen. If you had to him about the anthem singer, it would have been the best. <laughs> and the anthem was okay. Was okay. Um, this this is yeah. The Goggins Center in in uh, where the University of Miami of Ohio plays is quaint. It's cute. It's thirty five hundred rabid college fans, um, but it's going to be nothing like uh, Plas Bell in Laval and, and in the playoffs. In the playoffs, and he's just pumped and he's excited and he's. Uh, just everything is is wonderful is. at <laughs> that particular moment, and 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 so that's why we kind of put these things into context to to, to temper um, the enthusiasm. Because listen, was it the best goaltender performance um, we've ever seen? Um, no, we we can't compare it to, you know, Carey Price carrying the, the Hamilton Bulldogs to the Ham, uh, to the Calder Cup, the last Calder Cup by um, a um, Canadians AHL franchise. Um, we can't compare it to a Canadi- uh, to Carey Price carrying on his back almost uh, single handedly uh, the Montreal Canadiens to the um, to to the Stanley Cup final last year last summer. Um, we can't even compare it. You know, if you're talking about young goaltenders, look at what Jake Ottinger did uh, for Dallas uh, in extending and, and some spectacular performances. Um, If you want to, you know, um, compare a a young goaltender. So let's not, let's, let's be careful here that uh, because with, with effusive praise becomes raised expectations. That's right. Um, And, and what we're seeing in in well throughout, uh, but particularly in these first two games against Rochester, is not a spectacular goaltending performance where a goaltender is standing on his head and carrying his team. We're not seeing that at all. We're seeing a very effective Laval Rocket team shut down uh, Rochester at on at every point on the ice, uh, limiting their time and space. Uh, making it difficult for them to create offense, and a goaltender who is able to make the saves that happen to get through That's right. and and have uh, teammates in front of him clear away rebounds so he doesn't have to deal with those as well. So uh, let's put it into context
1: here. Well, and quite frankly, um, last night wasn't even the best Caden performance Caden Primo performance we've ever seen. Oh no, not at all. Caden Primo has actually paid played more spectacular oh, yeah. games than he did last night. Not even close. Um so I again I circle back to this is all good, these are all good things for Caden Primo. Um it's just a matter of we've seen and the why are why are we, you know, we're not playing negative Nancy here. Uh what we're doing is saying, let's not fall into this vicious cycle where because the spotlight is so on Laval right now because they're doing well and they're succeeding and they are playing as a full cohesive unit together the entire team is playing well together let's not take that and and blow that up into now expectations that oh you know what caden primo he's ready for the nhl again because you know that that's going to happen when when people aren't realistic about what is happening on the ice. And so that's that's all we're doing here. As I said, you know, he's been steady, he's been reliable in this playoff series. I'm I'm he's getting a lot of help from the guys in front of him. And if you don't believe us, <laughs> if you think that we just like to be cranky, which we're not being cranky, I again, we're saying, you know, great for Caden Primo, great for Louis Belpedio, great for every guy in the locker room. Just want to temper expectations. But if you don't believe us, let's go to the guy who really is the expert at these things, and that's head coach Jean-Francois Hull. I'm first going to bring you the answer he gave me in my interview with him last Thursday after um, after they had closed out the series against Syracuse, and I asked him, do you think that Caden Primo is now settling into this role in the playoffs as your go-to goaltender?
3: Yeah, I believe so. I think he's playing with confidence right now. The players are playing well in front of him. He's won us the, the the three games that we needed to move on and he's made some big saves, keeping us in the games at the right times, timely saves. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see a prime play like that. Uh, he's playing with confidence right now. So uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see what happens here, but uh, he's, he's, he's done real well.
1: So he's saying, before I even have you comment on that, Rick, I want to play the next clip. So that's J.F. Overall very positive um and and very kind of proud coach moment of Caden Primo's assessment of of how he played in the last series. Um and that so and that lines up exactly with what everything we just said about how he is he is playing confidently and playing well uh here in the postseason. When JFO was asked last night after the game by our Chris G, what were the things you know, how did you guys how did you get your team and how did your team uh, win this game tonight? Here is what J.F. had to say.
3: Well, I think we're right on top of them. We're physical. We, uh, we denied them time and space. And when you do that with good players, they get frustrated and it's tough for them to generate offense. Obviously our goalie made some, some good saves, but I uh, uh, thought, for the most part uh, you know our, our defense played well we won a lot of, i thought we won a lot of stick battles tonight a lot of uh, 50-50 battles that we came up with the puck and that is key in in winning hockey games as well
2: that's um so first he he says that right now and that was at the end of last series um, Caden Primo's playing with confidence, and that's what we said, that, that he's he's now, he's got his swagger back, and, and that attitude goaltender is playing uh, with some attitude. Uh, but he, he referenced, Jeff Ull did, uh, how the team is playing in front of him. And then we fast forward to his comments from from last night. Um, and he said we're right on top of them and limiting time and space Uh, stifling them was the word that I used and and for good players for offensive players for players who had been up until this series leading the AHL in scoring it's frustrating Um, and and he went a bit further to say uh, that um, that they're winning battles, winning battles all over the ice, those 50-50 battles, mm-hmm. the Laval's coming out with them. Um, and and all of that, he said, um, you heard him say, Caden uh, made some good saves, but um, so this isn't a case of our goaltender stole the game for us. This is a case of we're playing really well all over the ice that, um, that, that, provide an opportunity for a goaltender uh, to to look
1: good and make the saves that he needs to exactly. And so i f- I was um, I was kind of I, I was pleased to hear jf. It's the one thing that i it's one of the things that I really appreciate about Jean-françois Oul. He's a very good communicator. And he analyzes his team's performance and and his opponent's performances very accurately and conveys them very accurately. And I thought that that answer, uh, perfectly encapsulated what Laval did last night to win that game, um, and also was a great. When you compare it to yes, his his glowing comments that he made to me last week after they were done uh, playing against Syracuse, it gives you when you put those two quotes together in a package, it gives you that measured approach of Caden is doing well. I'm really, ha-, you know, he heard him say, "I am happy for Prime that he's playing with confidence." Uh, He's coming along. We're relying on him. But at the same time, he's also saying, but it's the whole team that's getting it done. Um, And that's the measured expectation that we just hope um, everyone keeps in the back of their mind. It's okay to get excited and be chanting Keaton Primo's names uh, from the rooftops, if you want, during, during the playoffs. That's certainly fun. But when it comes down to maybe next year, just keep that in the measured expectations in the back of your mind.
2: And as well, um, we think, and, and we've heard it said by Stefan Wade and others, that a, a goaltender needs to dominate at the AHL level before he's ready to be an NHL goaltender. And Caden hasn't done that yet. And um, so you're going to need some more patience because mm-hmm. uh, he's going to need to do that for a full season before he would be ready in, in, in a backup capacity,
1: in any kind of capacity in the NHL. Absolutely. And we wish him and as we said to, to kick off this segment, maybe this playoff performance ends up being the catalyst that Caden Primo needs to send him into a really good summer, a really good training camp in the fall and kickstarts what is maybe a pivotally different season for him next year. It's 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 all going to be in his hands and what he's able to do with it. So fingers are crossed that maybe maybe all of this experience does some really good, good things for Caden Primo. Uh, We are going to now take a quick break and hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings. On the other side, we're going to go around the AHL, take a look and get you updated on how the other three division final series are shaping up. Plus, Calgary's AHL affiliate is officially on the move next year. We'll get you caught up on all of that and more coming up next. You are listening to the Press Zone podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, hello and welcome back to The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks so much for being here with us today for Episode 257. Uh, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at The Press Zone. Uh, You can also follow all of our Laval Rocket coverage on Twitter at The AHL Report. Uh, And, of course, if you'd like to follow Rick on Twitter, Uh, you can follow him at all Habs. You can find me at flyers rule and, uh, If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, if you're a new listener, we welcome you to do that. Uh, Also, share this podcast. It's the perfect way to grow the community. Uh, If there's a lot of other Habs fans out there who are really enjoying the Laval Rockets playoff run and they'd like to hear all the ins and outs from uh, part of the credentialed media who covers the team all year round, then uh, just hit that share button and we're happy to welcome them into the fold as well. Um, We went uh, quite in-depth in the previous segment on the Laval series, but now let's just quickly take a look at how the other three division final series are shaping up around the league. Uh, The other Eastern Conference series is the Charlotte Checkers versus the Springfield Thunderbirds. Um, The interesting part of this, Rick, is that uh, before... The first game of this series was played uh, was when Jordan Bennington uh, got injured in the St. Louis Blues series against Colorado Avalanche. And so Charlie Lindgren, who is uh, pretty much the number one goaltender for Springfield, was recalled on an emergency basis to back up Billy Husso in Springfield, meaning Joel Hofer, who thankfully they have a pretty solid tandem there in Springfield. Joel Hofer was in net for game one. Uh, and they put a six to nothing hurting on the Charlotte Checkers in Game One. So uh, defense
2: be... <laughs> is Springfield's game. They've yeah. uh, in uh, four games that they've played in the playoffs. They've given up just nine goals. Uh, that combination of the the uh, the two excellent goaltenders that they have there.
1: Absolutely. So uh, Springfield leading that uh, series one to nothing uh, over in the Western Conference. Um, it is the Chicago Wolves. Versus the Milwaukee Admirals and Milwaukee also up against a wall Chicago's got them uh, two to nothing so far in the series so Milwaukee is facing uh, elimination when those two teams meet on Wednesday night in Milwaukee Um, Chicago already scoring 14 goals in this series.
2: Eight to two on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're they're rolling all right.
1: They are rolling. Uh, and then the other division final is uh, the Pacific Division: Stockton Heat versus Colorado Eagles. Stockton also blanking their opponent uh, in their first game of the series, winning five to nothing on uh, Monday night. After. Uh, against the Colorado Eagles. So they are up one to nothing in that series as well. And
2: Colorado uh, was leading the AHL in goals uh, scored. They had 30 goals in five games and then blanked uh, in their sixth. Um, But credit to to Stockton for shutting them down.
1: They might've had some motivation. Oh, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't say, I mean, Stockton has been one of the most dangerous teams around the league this season. Um, They are not to be, Trifled with or taken lightly. However, uh, it came out this week that the AHL Board of Governors has approved uh, a move for the Stockton Heat Uh, Calgary after getting a taste because of the pandemic and difficulties with cross-border travel last year. They've gotten a taste of having their AHL affiliate in the same city as their NHL team. Uh, and have now decided to make that a permanent move. And the AHL Board of Governors approved that this week, that beginning next season, uh, in the fall, uh, the uh, Stockton Heat will no longer be a Calgary Flames AHL affiliate. They'll be moving the affiliate up to Calgary.
2: Tough news for the the folks in Stockton, but this gives them the, their playoff run, gives them one last chance to get out and support their uh, their team, great news for the folks in in Calgary, and and certainly during the pandemic, we've seen how it's been difficult for those um, franchises which have teams that straddle the border on on both sides of the border. It, uh, we, I'm thinking Vancouver uh, for one, um, Edmonton, Calgary. Uh, it's it, there had been some difficulties. Now Vancouver moving um, their franchise from Utica to Abbotsford and Calgary doing the same, um, bringing uh, their AHL franchise home, which um, sets up kind of a similar situation to Winnipeg where there's the uh, Calgary Flames, the NHL team, uh, the Calgary, let's say they're going to be called the Heat in the AHL and the, the Calgary Hitmen, um, they're the junior franchise, similar to Winnipeg. In uh, the ice, uh, the moose, and uh, the Winnipeg
1: Jets. That's right, and it also now leaves Edmonton as the only A- uh, NHL team based in Canada who does not have their AHL affiliate in Canada as well. So, in Bakersfield, they are in Bakersfield, California, the Bakersfield Condors. So, all eyes are kind of going to kind of be on on Edmonton now over the next season or two to see if. Uh, They remain in Bakersfield, or are they going to uh, follow the trend and uh, pick them up and move them up north of the border as well? That'll be something interesting to watch to see how that unfolds. Um, So, basically, uh, things are well on their way in the division final round. Uh, Laval setting up their Game 3 on the road in Rochester. They could win it. Uh, if they win this game, they advance to the, to the conference final. Uh, otherwise, if they do manage uh, to not win this one, Rochester would then force a game four on Friday. If they win that one as well, then game five comes back home to Laval on Sunday uh, for the deciding game to determine a winner to advance to the conference final and, um, Our AHL Report team, myself and Chris G, will have full coverage of the rest of the series. Visit AHLReport.com for all of our comprehensive game recaps, including post-game interviews and audio uh, and video highlights. Uh, And of course, remember to follow at the AHL Report on Twitter for live game coverage if you're not able to see the game. Uh, And aside from that, Rick, we already talked about it at the top of the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast at CanadiansConnection.fm, as well as our All Habs YouTube channel for the weekly Thursday publication of Habs Hockey Report. You can find that at YouTube.com slash All Habs. If
2: you're, if you're already subscribed to the Canadians Connection and to the Press Zone, um, you can help out in a different way, and that is by sharing our content. You all have social media. Share um, our podcasts uh, with your friends and followers on social media, and that'll help this, uh, this community, both the Canadians community and the Press Zone uh, community, grow.
1: Absolutely. Uh, be sure you check out the Canadians Connection podcast every Saturday. Uh, and to all of our uh, listeners in the United States, happy Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy your long weekend this coming weekend. And stay safe. Stay safe. And we'll see. Uh, are we going to next week, next Tuesday, are we going to be talking about a, a new series for the conference final for Laval or are things going to go in a different direction? The, The the suspense, it's killing us. (laughs) Uh, Enjoy your week, enjoy the hockey, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.